listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our scripture reading today is from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared ask him any question. The word of God for the people of God. So who's excited that I don't have to talk about authority and power today? Right? Right? Um, And what's my favorite thing to preach on? Love. And guess what? That's what I get to do today. I'm so excited. Um, I don't really know how I keep lucking out. Or Dan is like, oh, Elisha's preaching. We're going to figure this out so she can just keep preaching on love. So I'm okay with that. Um, We all know that this is the foundational belief of the life of Christian congregations all across the country. At least it should be. And my guess is that you've probably heard sermons just like this. Love God and love others. Um, But did you know that this actually comes directly out of the Old Testament? So I'm going to share with you a couple verses. Um, I, sorry, somebody is, Gordon will help you. (laughs) Sorry, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5 says, Hear, O Israel, The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Leviticus 19.18 says you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. By the way, isn't it fun that Leviticus keeps popping up? If you weren't here for the Leviticus series, I do recommend going back because we hit Leviticus all the time in the New Testament. Um, This was not the beginning foundational belief of Christians. This was the foundational belief for the Jewish tradition. And it wasn't just some prophet who uttered these words. These are written in the book of the law um, credited to Moses himself. As we unpack the verses, I really want you to remember that Jesus is being questioned again by religious authority. Last week, we talked about the Sanhedrin, and they kept sending groups or different people to try and catch Jesus saying something illegal. 
Um, we've seen the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and now this week, the scribes. We're going to read back through the first few verses. Verse 28. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I'm going to stop here for just a second. Um, Jesus' response seems to us a little odd to, to say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, doesn't really sound like a commandment. Um, however, this is called the Shema. Uh, this was quite often memorized by pious Jews, especially, and repeated both in the morning and at night. Jesus is affirming the Jewish-held belief in one God. This was important. Polytheism was all around them at this point in history. As the church began to emerge after Jesus' death and resurrection, they were accused of being polytheistic regarding Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But throughout the New Testament, the authors allude to this creedal statement over and over, emphasizing that even Jesus was radically monotheistic. All right, so moving on. I want you to try and listen for the aforementioned Old Testament verses, and I want you to pick out the thing that Jesus did differently. While I'm reading verse 30, I'm actually going to leave the Old Testament verses up here for you. So verse 30 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. All right. Did you catch it? What did Jesus add? Yeah, he added the mind. So instead of worshiping God with only our heart, soul, and strength, depending on your um, translation, it might say might, um, Jesus is adding mind to the directive. In every account of this story in the other Gospels, Jesus is accredited as saying mind as well. Uh, I want to take a moment and look at the actual words that Jesus used. Um, it's such a well-known chunk of verses that sometimes to take a moment and look at it with fresh eyes mean we go back to the Greek. So I got to learn some Greek this week, so so do you guys. So heart, the word in Greek is cardia. Do you want to say it? And that was regarded as the center of all physical and spiritual life. So not just the thing that keeps us alive, but they regarded that area as the center of all physical life. Soul, I know what it looks like, but it's pronounced tsuche. I'm really glad that the fly on the wall of my office while practicing that word can't come and tell you how many times I had to say that. <laughs> and that's literally translated as breath of life. It was regarded as the seat of all feelings, desires, affections, and aversions. The word for might or strength is is also difficult for me to say, is chus. Yeah, right? That one was really hard, and I know I'm saying it wrong because I can't get the right noise in here. Um, 
and it means the ability, force, strength, or might. No, you're so mean. Ischus. <laughs> Ischus. Yeah. I know, it's hard. Blueletterbible.org has a way for you to listen to it over and over. Um, the last one is mind, and that was dianoia. And that's literally translated as deep thought or understanding. Now, here's a fun quick aside. They are all feminine nouns in the Greek. There has to be something to that. I know that when I did research, they tell me it's random. However, what I want to say is this means in order to worship God fully, you have to get in touch with your feminine side. But that's really not being honest with the text. So I'm going to just leave that for you to interpret yourself. <laughs> we can so quickly go through these words and just say, love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength but I really think there's more depth to it when we look at the words that Jesus chose to use here. We will circle back to this, but I'm going to continue through the verses right now. Verse 31, Jesus says, The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So here Jesus is commanding us to love not one, but two other objects. Who or what are they? Self and, and our neighbor. There's two there. So I'm sure you know who yourself is, but who is our neighbor? Everyone, every single human. Not those who are easy to love. Not only those who we're related to. Not those sitting only here in our walls. Certainly not just the people who live next door to us. And, and definitely not the, the people who act and think the way we do. He is asking us to love every single person. And he's asking us to love them like we love ourselves. I know that there's a few in this room who might struggle with loving yourself I had an awesome conversation with someone this week about this very idea. I was bouncing some things off of them, and I was leaning towards saying something along the lines of that we can only love others to the extent that we love ourselves. However, this wonderful human pointed out that they, in fact, love others more than themselves at many times, especially when their mental health is struggling and it is easier for them to seek out and love others even more when it's worse. Giving of ourselves can actually increase the love that we have for ourselves and for others when we're done with the right motivation. So for some, the mental health struggle is actually what pushes them toward seeking out and maintaining stronger relationships. So if you find yourself in that boat, let's talk. This has given me some pause this week to contemplate this very point. We don't have to fully focus on ourselves and loving ourselves fully before we love others well. Jesus is asking us to love others as we go and as we love ourselves. That's at the same time. 
Both others and ourselves matter, and both need to be loved, and to be loved to the extent that God calls us. Hear what I'm not saying, though. I'm not saying to give all of you to others, landing yourself in a place of burnout and anger. One author I read this week stated it well by saying, loving others as yourself means helping them toward the good that God has for them. And loving yourself means also taking care of yourself toward the good that God has for you. As we show up in people's lives and love them right where they're at. Verse 32. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. So scribes were the legal experts of their time. They were the ones who knew the law like it was the back of their hand. So of course, when Jesus responded with the verses from Deuteronomy and Leviticus, this particular scribe agreed with him. He then restates what Jesus said, and tacks on a reference to another verse in the Old Testament found in Hosea 6.6, that loving God and others is more important than offerings and sacrifices. He He knew what response Jesus would want to hear. Many prophets have already made it known that God did not care near as much about the sacrifices as he did their devotion to him, not on the outside of their lives, but from their innermost being. Remember what heart, soul, mind, and strength really mean. God is asking for all of us to love all of God. And it's an important thing to note, too, that this scribe is saying this in front of the crowd, right in the temple, right where sacrifices were possibly being performed at that time. So Jesus responds to him kind of oddly again and says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. This can be interpreted a few different ways. Of course, the most obvious is that Jesus is talking about a literal time period. He knew that his death and resurrection was coming swiftly and the kingdom of God was imminent. But possibly, he was hinting at the fact that this scribe, this religious authority, who's probably been living a little bit in his glory with that power, okay, power and authority came up a little, um, that he's ready to live his life differently. We don't know the outcome of this exchange with this specific scribe, but it appears that he is open to becoming a disciple especially because no one dared ask any more questions to Jesus. This invitation, I feel, has been given by Jesus to his listeners as an invitation that's still extended to each of us. The kingdom of God is near. None of us are far from that, and we're all welcome to follow. 
So how are we to apply these verses today? I could go easy on all of us and just leave it at, love God, love others, period. But we know I'm not going to do that. Um, this, this chunk has been used and misused. It's been abused. It's definitely been overused. So I want to make sure it doesn't feel empty when I say love God and love others. I said last week, I'll say it again, and I'll probably say it over and over and over, we live in a self-centered society and culture. We are told things like FOMO and YOLO. Okay, if you don't know what those mean, don't worry. FOMO, fear of missing out, and YOLO is you only live once. And we're told that's the most important thing in our lives. We go through the motions of what we have to do in order to get the fun stuff that we want to do. We focus so much of our time and our energy into what we want for ourselves, what we need, what we feel, what we desire, but we're never going to fully find fulfillment when we're only focusing on our own stuff. Even Sunday mornings, our religion, our time in church, and probably for many of us in this room, can and has become, what am I getting out of it? What is God showing me? How is God going to fill in the blank for me? The list can go on and on. We've all been guilty at some point or another of making church and religion about ourselves and not about God. We can so easily use the Bible and God as an instrument to achieve a desired psychological state or to attain a specific moral code that we perceive to be the best. We can use Sunday mornings for a social club to make connections, to check a box off just because we've always gone to church instead of drawing closer to God, instead of using this time that we have together to worship and to truly grow closer to each other and to God over all. These, vo these verses that I'm sharing have done such a good job of really blending Moses and Jesus, the law and the gospel, coexisting, these commands that span across testaments, both testaments, span across thousands of years, call us to another understanding of life. They call Christians to actually be different in the world. These commandments butt up against the self-centeredness that each of us carry around with us. So my first takeaway is that we need to realize and accept that loving God and loving others fully go hand in hand. Loving God is shown through our love of the outsider, the outcast, those hard-to-love neighbors. The opposite can also be true. Truly loving others can be interpreted as how you are loving God. I would propose that neither can fully stand without the other. And this week, I want you to consider that relationship. 
There's an important point to make here, though. Jesus did give us a purposeful rank. To love anything as unconditionally as you love God is a form of idolatry, and it can sneak up on us without realizing it. As we walk with Jesus, sometimes things start to get in the way, get in the way of our quiet time, get in the way of our prayer time, And we all know in the summers, there are things that get in the way of our Sunday morning time together. And it can be so easily masked by loving ourselves and loving others. And I know that there are seasons that I myself have given over my quiet time because the kids need me, or I just didn't feel like getting out of bed early. I didn't feel like I had time to sit and spare to read scripture, to pray, or to worship. Sometimes devotions become less of a priority. I'll start watching news in the morning and put down that time and allowing it to just disappear. Do you know that even church work can sneak up and start taking over extra time? Us focusing too much on loving others well can also take priority over my love of God. God wants us strong. He wants us well-connected to him. He wants our devotion over all else. So when we get caught up with life just happening around us, I want to make sure you take your relationship with God just as seriously as you do with your best friend or with your parents or with your kids. I've seen it over and over again. People get caught up in the things they have to do and let go of the things that are easier to let go of, the things that are ranked lower in our minds. I want to encourage you to pick that quality time back up with God, especially if you're focused, facing difficult life circumstances, but really, always. I'm working really hard to not go off script and cry today because we don't want to cry two weeks in a row. (laughs) Um, These last two weeks have stretched me in a way that I can't even fully express to each one of you. And God has shown up in ways that only he can. Last week, God placed a saying on my lap that I had forgotten that I certainly was not living by at that moment. Martin Luther has famously said, if I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, the devil gets the victory through the day. I have so much business, I cannot go without spending three hours daily in prayer. That feels backwards for our culture, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, in full honesty, I did not spend two to three hours of uninterrupted prayer time every morning this week or last week, but it has been on top of my to-do list. I've been coming, I've been taking longer than normal every morning when I wake up, but I also have been coming to church on the top of my list as to just been coming in here and praying. I had a lot to accomplish. I don't know as all the bills got paid this week, but all the important things got done. God showed up in ways I didn't even think to ask, hours of uninterrupted time to study and write, lunch dates that were unexpected, chats with people, 
who had no idea as they were telling me stories that they were inspiring each of my sermons. I am not sharing to say, oh, look at me, I did so great, but I want to inspire each of you that you can attempt the same shift in thinking. Prioritize your time with God because it will spill over into the way that you love yourself and others better because these things are so closely connected. All right, so loving God first and most is of utmost priority. So what does that really look like? Loving God with our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole mind, and in all of our ability. I want to bring up the words that Jesus chose to use again when he was answering the scribe's question, just so you guys can have them up there. So Jesus is saying to love God from the very center of your physical life, with all the breath of your life, with all of your ability and strength, and to engage your mind to really understand and think deeply about your love of God. I'm going to challenge you to set aside some time this week. There are questions in the Going Deeper section of your bulletin to go through. Ponder what it means to love God from the very center of your being with all you have to give and with all the ability that you have available in this very moment. This will look and feel differently in each one of us, so I can't even tell you exactly what this will look like or feel for you. I have a really corny example. It's bad, but stick with me because it makes sense. Um, When I was a teenager here, we were all given these WWJD bracelets. Pretty cool. Sadly, this isn't my wrist, but that's what my wrist looked like for a good chunk of my high school time. Um, I really thought that loving God fully meant that I would ask myself, what would Jesus do in that moment before making any difficult decisions? Um, I wore it for probably two or three years straight, um, off and on, because it always depended on the friend group that I was with at the time. But, you know, when I was with my church friends, I made sure I had it on. Now, as an adult, this, of course, has shifted. I still resort back, though, to what would Jesus say or what would Jesus think or how would Jesus look in this situation? But instead of this just being an action, I really took, I take this to mean that everything that I do, everything that I think now is on the table for God to take and use as he sees fit. The way that I love him, though, is going to be different than the way you love him, because my all is not your all. My everything is not your everything, and that's okay. Because this is a reminder for all of us that you're going to fail. Right? Don't you like to hear that on Sunday mornings? You're going to fail. We're never going to fully live up or measure up to Jesus' standard of love. Because what did he do for us? He died on a cross, and that's the kind of love he's asking from each and every one of us to give to God and to others and to ourselves. We see this displayed over and over again in the New Testament. 
Only when we accept this gift of his life for us can we sit in the knowledge that we will not be able to be perfect in our love of God. We can try. We will absolutely make mistake after mistake, but God is asking for you to just try anyway with your whole being, with all your breath, with all your intellect, and with all your ability. Remember, God didn't say to love the way Peter loved or the way, love the way Paul loved or love the way Mary did, but he is asking you to love the way you love. God is asking us to take the example of Jesus and try to love God fully. And this is displayed mostly through loving others and loving yourself well. So my last point is I want you to take time to really love your neighbors and yourself. We're going to start with loving yourself because for many of us, that can be the hardest thing to do. Some of us had the opportunity to grow up in households that encouraged a good deal of self-esteem and love of who God made us to be. Some of us in the room were not so lucky and instead grew up to hate ourselves for the various reasons that the important people in our lives pointed out. And some of us are right in the middle, bouncing back and forth between those positive and negative voices. I want to encourage you to attempt a self-talk change, encouraging that little voice to repeat the phrases that God believes you to be. Loved, accepted, made in God's image, I want you to tell yourself that you were put here at this very moment for a purpose that you might not know right now. I want you to talk to yourself the way you talk to your best friends. I want you to give yourself the same excuses and the same grace that you extend to others. I want you to do good to yourself as you would do for others. Now as for loving others well, what does this look like? Does this mean that we only love those who it comes naturally and easy to love? Of course not. Everyone does that. Everyone who's ever walked the earth can love the lovable, can express love toward the easy, toward the ones that look like them, that think like them. That's not what Christ is asking us to do. When he's saying to love others, Jesus means any other person, irrespective of nation or religion, with whom we live or whom we have the chance to meet. So what neighbors is God placing on your heart? This is not to be an overwhelming directive called to actively love everyone, everywhere, all the time, across the globe. We would become so burned out within a matter of weeks that we would crash and we would burn. Because remember, we're also asked to love ourselves. I want to propose that each of us has an individual or a population or a group that we are called to love and to love well. 
We cannot stand up for every injustice, for every population and every location that we find an outsider wronged, but we can stand up for those we feel God's leading. There are many of you here today who are loving others and loving them well, and I want to say thank you. You know who you are. Thank you for sharing what God has done for you with those whom you have felt led. Keep up the good work. I don't want to put more things on your plate when it's already full and you've already removed some of your own self-interest for others. But if you are in a group that doesn't feel the call for one specific thing or one specific person, I want to invite you to show up in community with us and love our Brockport community now as you wait on God's voice and his timing for what he has for you. If we continue down the self-centered culture track that is the norm around us, we might not hear from God anyway. It's hard to hear his voice when all we are doing is thinking about ourselves. But as you allow God to use you in small ways here, he is going to place something on your heart that you just can't shake. And then you're going to come and talk to me. And I'm going to throw a party because I get really excited to have those conversations. And you're going to tell me to calm down. And then we're going to get to work together in figuring out how that plays out for your life. Those of you who've had those conversations with me, you know that's how it goes. <laughs> I have more enthusiasm and excitement in my little finger than most of you probably do in your whole bodies. And that's okay. That's how God made me to be. Um, and I wasn't a cheerleader, but I probably should have been. <laughs> so how do we show up and we love neighbors through what our church is already doing? Gathering tables today. I don't know if you guys heard that already, but it's today. Um, it's at 1 o'clock. You can help us set up. You can come back at 1. Sit down with people that you've never met before. Give space to somebody to tell them their story. It's really enjoyable to just sit and allow others to talk and to listen. Um, I know that the teen closet is in need of some help on a recurring basis. Maybe loving others outwardly is a hard first step for you. That's okay. Um, Teen Closet has a need for behind-the-scenes help, sorting donations, and getting rooms ready. Um, we'll have you see Robin Donahue. She's not here right now, right? Okay. Um, or talk to me. We can get you hooked up in that. Um, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes ways to love our neighbors, too, like cleaning up the evidence of pigeons living out front. <laughs> Do you know how hard that was to write that sentence? Um, clearing the grapevines so that the kids can easily access the playground. There are so many little things that get done around this building that you can help just loving your neighbors that way. And of course, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you to love neighbors without saying there's always room in children's ministry if you want to love kids on Sunday mornings. We're also working toward setting up a youth ministry um, because we finally have some youths. Can I get an amen? amen? 
thank you. If that's something that you feel led to help with, I have a few people that have approached me. We will be meeting within the next month um, to start seeing what youth ministry here at this church in this moment in time looks like. Um, Sandy is starting up a music ministry. I was hoping that she was here. So if you have the ability um, to worship and you have the love of singing or you have any type of musical talent, see her. She has this place on her heart. She wants to be able to take music into assisted living facilities. Uh, Coming up August 13th, we're going to have activities outside during the Arts Fest right? Huge opportunity to love Brockport and to love Brockport well. There's so many ways, and I just want to invite you to show up and join us. I want to leave you with a Mother Teresa quote today that I came upon during study time this week. Faith in action is love, and love in action is service. If we are truly loving God, as Jesus said, from the very center of our physical life, with all the breath of our life, with all of our ability and strength, and our minds are engaged, there must be the outward signs of serving and loving our neighbors well. Please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for showing up in our midst. Help us all, Lord, to increase our love for you, for others, and for ourselves. Help us to be your light in the world and in this community. We thank you for opportunities like the Pride Parade and the Arts Festival to show up in big ways, but we also thank you, Lord, for the small ways that we can show our love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.